I went to Steve and Leanna's wedding this weekend. It's me, Cindy. I mean, that was a pretty big deal. All weddings are a pretty big deal. But I guess the more you love one or both of the couple, the bigger a deal it is. I love Leanna a lot. And being there to watch them share this life-altering moment was pretty spectacular. Lisa and I both did whatever it took to get to Jersey to be there with them, with their other friends and family members to join in celebrating. When I met Lisa and Leanna, her best friend, they were 16-year-old high schoolers working at McDonald's. I was eight years and several stages ahead of them, already a mom. They became like little sisters to me, like big sisters to Megan. Their work uniforms, you can imagine, were pretty painful, especially, so you'd think, for teenage girls. But these two would head to work perfectly confident in logo-sporting polyester, hair flattened out under hideous visors, and just not given a hoot. The glimmer of the formidable women they would become was already very apparent. I wasn't mistaken. They did both grow into being powerhouses, having children, bearing heartache, pursuing interesting life paths. Lisa makes movies. Leanna's a rabbi, now of her own temple. They've come a long way from, would you like fries with that? You meet a lot of people over the course of your life. You never know who's going to become more important or for how long. Who will be important at one stage or another, but not remain so for the long run. You never know who will become part of your life and just stay there no matter what. Like Lisa and Leanna, like the three of us. Back to the wedding. So Lisa and I were sitting together, tissues in hand, slammed with emotions, watching Leanna take this giant step in her life, watching her beaming with joy, watching Steve beaming with joy, seeing her normally stoic man like that was in itself enough to get us choked up, more choked up. And the ceremony was beautiful, touching, moving, emotional, just like it should be. Yeah, more tissues. The couple who officiated at the wedding had beautiful things to say about how life moves on, about how every day has to matter, or at least should matter, how we have to grab every chance for happiness and not take anything for granted, about recognizing the light in other people's eyes. And we're sitting there, Lisa and I, and dozens of other family members, congregants, and friends, and really feeling the full-on 100% heart-slamming impact of what it means to love somebody, to be happy to share joy. Hand me another tissue, will you? After the wedding and the luncheon, Lisa and I went to hang out at Newark Airport because it's such a cool place. Okay, only because she was flying back to LA early in the morning, so she'd booked a hotel and fighting back the compulsion to act like a homing pigeon and fly right back to my regular life while knowing that staying later would put me at risk at facing Mondo traffic. I opted to spend what couple of hours we could spend together. Yay, me. One, we'd been talking about Chandra Rhyme's book, A Year of Yes, and in light of all that grabbing opportunities and taking chances and making leaps, it didn't seem right to say no to a chance to spend a couple of more hours with Lisa. Plus, we don't get enough time together. So really, traffic schmaffic. Plus, I had plenty of music to listen to on the way home, and really, what was my rush? There is an ease and a comfort to sharing a long history with someone. You develop a shorthand. A lot of things are already understood that don't have to be questioned or dissected or tread softly around. We talk about anything, everything, big things in our lives, little things, what we've learned or are trying to figure out still, because that never changes. We're still learning and still looking closely to understand more. And we crack jokes and we laugh a lot. By the time I left Lisa at the Newark Hotel and headed back out to Long Island, I felt completely filled up 
partly because the food at the wedding luncheon was incredibly good and I had eaten so much, but in the figurative sense as well, because spending that time together had really fed my soul, you know, filled me with a warmth and a sense of well-being that only people you love and dogs can give you. And then this morning, I'm in this sort of post-fun event glow, and what do I get in my email? A newsletter from Time Magazine. One of the articles is called, Why Spending Time with Friends is One of the Best Things You Can Do for Your Health. And I'm like, oh yeah, I totally get that. Did I even need to read it? Well, I figured it might be interesting to hear why. Plus, I thought maybe you'd like to know. So here's what I found out. The article says, Studies show that what you do for fun who you socialize with, how much and how often you socialize, all factor in how you're doing health-wise. Huh. Social nourishment, if you will. Whether it comes from friends, family members, or a partner, it's strongly associated with better mental and physical health. Apparently, a full or satisfying social life can lower stress levels, can improve your mood, encourage positive health behaviors, and discourage damaging ones, boost cardiovascular health, improve illness recovery rates, and aid everything in between. Take that, Big Pharma. Too bad you don't have a pill for that. One study focused on a person's social circle measured by incoming and outgoing cell phone calls. They found phone usage was a better predictor of self-reported stress, happiness, and well-being levels than data from a fitness tracker on physical activity, heart rate, and sleep. I'm guessing they probably didn't count spam calls because they are not boosting anybody's happiness levels. But getting back on track, the dark flip side of a good social circle is social isolation, which maybe this doesn't come as a surprise to you, creates loneliness. Recent surveys say almost half of Americans, large numbers of those in our youngest and oldest adults, are lonely. The effects of loneliness are as bad as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And being lonely not only means you're missing out on all the benefits of being social, but loneliness can speed up or even cause what they call cellular changes, as in your body, not your phone, that result in suppressing immunity and fueling diseases and mental illness. Is that hideous or what? Not surprisingly, at least one cause of loneliness is, ready? The overuse of social media, which reduces or replaces face-to-face -face quality time. And once again, more bad news about excessive use of social media. It's not just bad for kids. People who have real in-person time with others, who have friends that they see, face-to-face, -face, who lead a more active social life and perhaps even have a significant other, assuming the relationship is working, all seem to experience less loneliness. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. But it's interesting that neither gender nor income level impact on how lonely or social people are. So before you go thinking that elderly equates lonely, it seems levels of loneliness decrease with age, the reasoning being due to the wisdom and perspective gained over the years and hopefully becoming more comfortable in your own skin and with your own company. I'm not sure about that. I'd suggest to children or friends of elders, that doesn't mean they won't still benefit from your company or an occasional phone call. Okay, so back to the demon social media and the damage it's doing, or let's just take this as another suggestion. You know I'm full of them. If you let your people skills slip, let important people slip away. Maybe you've gotten a little too hermity, or maybe you've spent more time collecting Facebook friends than real friends. You can still create or revive a dormant social life by putting a little time getting back in touch. 
Maybe call or text friends you haven't spoken to lately. And speak with them. Fun, right? Maybe plan to get together and then do it. Want to meet some new people? How about you look up events in your library or in community listings? Invite some people over, volunteer, take a dance class or yoga. That's how Dawn and I got to be friends. You know, add a spark of fun to socializing and now you have two reasons to get together. All the benefits of being social plus fun. You don't have to quit Facebook, but think about using it or Pinterest, Twitter, Snapchat, WhatsApp, whatever else to make more meaningful connections with others. Look at some of the Facebook groups and events. Find places to go where people are doing what you like or what you might like. I heard about a guy a couple of years ago who was going to meet up with one Facebook friend every day. He had hundreds and hundreds, and most he had never met in person, so he pledged to meet for coffee and real-time conversation with one person a day for a year. I don't know how it worked out for that guy, but I was pretty taken with the idea at the time, and it did spur me to finally meet up with Marie Latourno in person. She's not only a former roller derby queen, but she's a really talented artist, and she's written some children's books with more on the way. So we managed to find the time to squeeze in breakfast. Now we're friends on Facebook and literally in real life. Plus, now she's a grandmother. So we're going to be meeting up again soon so I can get her to talk about drawing and writing. And I know she's got some baby pictures to show me. This guy, John Dorsick, he's another mighty interesting human who I met on Facebook. I was introduced by a mutual friend right before he left for a cross-country motorcycle trip. I was able to join him vicariously, laughing at all his jokes, and then we too met in person when he got back, and I heard more stories about the trip and his life and adventures on and off the road, and there will be more stories and coffee, plus I think he's going to write a book about it. It was that much fun. So there's something to be said for real-life people meeting. While it's not always easy to make new friends, you never know what is going to happen next. Even little encounters can have a large impact. Even chatting with strangers online, getting groceries can make your social life more rewarding. Even if they don't become friends for life and you only talk that one time, people can be very interesting or fun or can trigger a later conversation with others. Talking is good. I like talking. And you never know. There I was in a Tai Chi class for the first time and I looked over and I saw this woman who had only just been introduced at my friend Jay's show. Hey, didn't I meet you at, and now a couple of years later, I count Miranda, who is game for anything ever among my good friends. You need at least one friend who is game for anything ever. And Dawn, who I said I met at yoga, we didn't speak for the first couple of months. Believe it or not, I can sometimes keep to myself. But once Dawn and I did start talking, we have not stopped. She is also a load of fun with a perfect dash of snark. And if there's anything I love, it's somebody who is fun with a dash of snark. Insert eye roll. Oh, that cracks us up. Then there's Anne Marie, another good friend who I met at work, and somehow we got to talking, and one thing led to another. And she's the one who told me about the yoga class that has become another important and surprisingly social part of my life. So, really, proof positive that striking up a conversation with a stranger or near stranger can turn into how you meet your new friend. Or, as Chandra Rhymes suggests, saying yes to invitations, to things that might not sound great or may sound nerve-wracking or may sound boring, could very well turn out to be the most fun you ever had, or even ever so slightly or totally or dramatically alter the current course of your life. As the Time Magazine article concludes, and I quote, people should take these opportunities wherever they possibly can, because all of us, innately, are wired from birth to connect, and because doing so may pay dividends for your health, end of quote. 
Worth remembering, because that person next to you could be someone who turns out to factor large in your life. Like I said, you just never know. And if you like, you could subscribe to the It's Me, Cindy podcast, because mostly it's me, Cindy, just wanting us all to get the most out of life. Who could say no to that?